We are so glad you've joined us today for our Sunday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we are continuing our study in the Gospel of Luke, so let's listen in now to Pastor Dave. Soon your trials will be over. However, I don't see anywhere in God's Word where it says that you have that calling. Instead, what I see is where it says that let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only what is necessary for the edifying, the building up of that person. That's what you're supposed to do. So you don't tell them off. And instead, you pray for them. And you maybe exhort them and encourage them in another way of how to live their life if God opens the door for you to do that. But it's one of encouragement and exhortation is what you're pouring into their life, whether they receive it or not. And you go away from there not feeling better because you really did want to tell them off, but you didn't. And instead, you put forth the word of God. And you did that instead. God is honored that way. And so you have an opportunity each and every day. I feel like doing this, but uh, I know it says to love your neighbor and you're supposed to you know, uh, uh, think of the conscience sake of others before yourself. And so you have an opportunity to do that all the time, especially if you're married. If you're married, you constantly could be going, okay, I want to do that. She wants to do that. But you know what? Here's an opportunity where I could deny myself and we can do this. You have kids constantly wanting this or wanting this kind of attention, but you're tired and this and that, but you go, okay, I'm going to deny myself. I want to be there for my kids. And so you do that. You've just honored God because it's no longer about you. Whenever we can get to this place where we understand this life is not about us, it is now about what God has done for us, that we can love him and love others. I'm telling you, maturity and, and the fruit will abound. But we have to look at this as a daily thing. I get an opportunity to deny myself today. It's not something you go, woohoo, you know, all right, I get to deny myself today. But it is a way that you can worship God. And this is what he asks us to do. And so Sabbath was, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's there to benefit us as everything that God has called us to do is there to actually benefit us in the long run. And so the Sabbath, if it, if it becomes, uh, if the purpose of the Sabbath is to give man rest, Man is hardly resting if he's starving or going hungry or, or uh, he can't do this. And, but, you know, and, and, and it takes away from, from being a blessing at that point and now becomes more of a, a curse. The Sabbath is sacred, but wherein lies its sacredness? It is sacred because it is made for man to minister to his needs. Its purpose is to serve humanity. The Sabbath exists to make life better. It's not supposed to be a burden. If the Sabbath becomes a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts and it becomes a burden, then it's not a true Sabbath. Which brings us to this next event in verse 6. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. According to the Pharisees, all work is forbidden on the Sabbath day. And so healing to them was considered a work. And so... Healing to them would have been medical attention, okay? Not that they've ever seen anybody before that is, that is healed in the miraculous way that Jesus has, and so that's why they made these rules. They're looking at healing in the way of medical attention. And so medical attention can only be given to a person if their life was endangered. If a woman was about to, to give birth, she could be helped. But if, and this is actually in the Mishnah, if a wall fell on someone, you could clear it away to find out if he was dead or alive. Now, my question is, for you to even have this rule, was this happening a lot in Israel? <laughs> that you're walking by and a wall just falls on you and you just go, whoa, quick, tell me, is it the Sabbath? <laughs> you know? No, it's not okay. Help me get this rubble off me or whatever. But it, it, you could help him if it was to save his life. 
if he was alive, but if he was dead, you were not to remove the body. He had to stay there until the sun went down. If he, was, um, if he had a broken limb, that could not be attended to. An injury could be kept from getting worse. It could not be made better. And so, again, what good is the Sabbath if, if a wall falls on you? <laughs> you know, What good is the Sabbath if you break your arm and you have to wait until the sun goes down before anybody can give you any medical attention? It becomes a huge burden. And so the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. Notice the reason why the Pharisees were there. They were there for one reason and one reason only, so they might accuse him of doing something wrong, which shows how evil they are in their hearts that they could see uh, alleviating some sort of pain and suffering as evil, why they can't see alleviating pain and suffering as being a good thing. And here's what's really interesting to me. They knew. They knew that Jesus was going to do something. Wow, what does that tell about us? Here you have people who are evil that don't even believe in him, but they know he's going to do something. And then you also have believers who look at Jesus and go, I don't think he's going to do anything. Wow, it should not be that way. It should not be that way. And so he says this in verse 8, but he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man who had the withered hand, arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. And then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Again, what does it say about someone when they, when they see someone healed and they and relieved from their suffering? And instead of rejoicing, they're actually filled with rage. The word rage there is very interesting. It means senseless rage, as opposed to intelligent indignation. There is such an anger as that. If you read in the Denver Post this morning and you saw how many kids have been killed and abused through the foster care system, that should rise up in you you know, a a righteous indignation. I don't like it when kids are hurt. I don't like when they're pulled off the, the, uh, the street and they're abused, and things like that. And then they find out dead in a ditch somewhere. That really grieves my spirit. And I have great anger for the people that do that, but that is actually righteous indignation. But there's also such thing as a senseless rage that actually makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. How can you be upset when good is going on? How? It makes absolutely no sense unless you are evil. And it points how evil they are. And so here's the point. If ever the performance of a man's faith stops him from helping someone in need, guess what? His faith is dead. His faith is dead. People matter far more than rules or programs. And one of the best ways to worship God is to help other people. That's one of the reasons why Jesus, when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the next one is to love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you can't love others, it's because you're not loving God. There's something wrong with this relationship right here. If you feel indifference to people and and suffering can go on and, and hurts are happening all around you and you don't feel like you want to lift your finger, it's because there's something wrong with your relationship with God. That's the reason. When Jesus asked the Pharisees, I'll ask you one thing, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do evil, to save life or destroy it? Man, there's only one answer to that. It's like, absolutely, it's lawful to do good. Absolutely, you should save life. There's there's this craziness that you have to understand that if you can do good and you don't do it, then that's evil. James says in James 4, 17, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, To him it is sin. If you know that you can stop evil and you don't, that's sin. And so again, Jesus was planning to heal the man on the Sabbath this whole time, but the Pharisees were plotting to kill him. 
who's really des- desecrating the Sabbath day? They are. I don't know about you, but Sunday, if this is when, and obviously this is when you're choosing to come to church, if this day is a day of misery in your household, then you're not really training your kids up in the way that they should go. Because it should be a fun day. It should be a, a day that you go out with your family, get something to eat if you can do that, or you go home and you plan some family activity with your family. It should be something that your kids look forward to throughout the whole week. We love Sunday. We love going to church. Church is fun. It's a time that we get to fellowship with other believers and we get to hang out with our church friends and, and then sometimes we go out with other uh, friends here at church and we have a great time we, or we go home and, and our family does something together, something. It should be a day that brings pleasure and rest and it's a day that should be a happy occasion. This happened in 1992 in Israel. It says this approach to the Sabbath continues today among the Orthodox Jews. In early 1992, tenants let three apartments in an Orthodox neighborhood in Israel burn to the ground while they asked a rabbi whether a telephone call to the fire department on the Sabbath would violate the Jewish law. Observant Jews are forbidden to use the phone on the Sabbath because doing so would break an electrical current, which is considered a form of work. And in the half hour it took for that rabbi to decide, the fire spread to two neighboring apartments. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. When you go to Israel with us, I like to... uh, uh, there, there's a thing called the Shabbat elevator, and I, and I, I encourage you to take it um, because it will stop on every single floor so you don't have to press a button and do work. It's good for you to experience that. <laughs> I will try and trick you into taking it. And there's another one that's not a Shabbat elevator, so you could press any button and zip right there to that floor, but on that, on that Sabbath when you're there, they have the Shabbat elevator. And again, they don't want you to, to press a button because that's an electrical current. Anything sort of electrical current goes back to that you're not supposed to make a fire on the Sabbath. And so they are, they're putting themselves under bondage. Same thing with, a, with make it a phone call because that electrical current and things like that and, and how it, they define that is you've, you've made a fire. And so here in order to rescue somebody called 911 or something like that, you're forbidden to do. Really? That's what God wanted us for, for the Sabbath? I don't think so. I don't think so. So here's a question that comes up as we've gone through this. If, if laws and rules and rituals hinder us from doing good, then, then they are wrong or misunderstood, and that's not what the Sabbath is supposed to be. Sabbath brings rest. It brings benefit to us, and then you're not benefiting your fellow man when you allow their, their apartments to burn because you're not going to make a phone call. So here's the big question that I'm sure all of you are waiting for. Is the Sabbath for today, is there a particular day that we are to, supposed to rest and have a Sabbath? You might want to write this down. Yes and no. I hope that clears it up for you. Good night. No. Um, no. It, is the Sabbath for today a physical day that the Jews would celebrate on that Sabbath, Sabbath Saturday, before the first day of the week? The answer for that is yes. If you're a physical descendant of Abraham and you have not yet come to the point of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But once you become a believer in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, you no longer rest in a day, you rest in a person. You rest in a person, and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul makes this very clear. I want you to go to Colossians chapter 2. Remember that when it came to the Jews, that they were to observe the Sabbath, what it meant to a Jew, it was a day that they remembered how the Lord redeemed them and delivered them from the bondage of Egypt. Did God do that with you? I don't recall being in Egypt, but I do recall being in the bondage of sin. And God has certainly redeemed me and taken me out of the bondage of sin in which I reflect on and give him uh, thanksgiving over. So there's no question that, that, the, that there's a, a day to remember that, but I would say every day. 
And because I rest in Jesus, it's something I'm constantly doing. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, meaning Jesus triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in what you eat, food, or in drink, or regarding any festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. Sabbaths is plural, by the way, because that speaks of the yearly Sabbaths, the festivals, as well as the new moon is, is monthly Sabbaths, as well as Sabbaths in general, weekly Sabbaths. And so let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance or the reality is of Christ. The Sabbath day points to Jesus. The Bible makes that very clear. The tabernacle points to Jesus. All the sacrifices and rituals and ceremonies in the Old Testament, every single one of them points to the Messiah, Jesus. Every one. So now I rest in a person. In Galatians 4, Paul was, was grieved that people were going back to the old festivals and feasts and and rituals of, of the uh, Old Covenant. And he says in verse 9 of Galatians 4, But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years when all those things pointed to the person. He says, I'm afraid for you, at least I've labored for you in vain. I've used this example before. It's like me having a, a picture in my wallet of my family. My wife's there, my kids are in the picture, and you come up to me afterwards and you go, can I see that picture of your family? And I go, well, yeah, but why? Oh, I just, I just want to see what they look like. I'm going, they're right over there. There's my wife and there's, yeah, but I want to look at the picture. Why? You go talk to them. You get to know them. Why do you want to look at a picture when they're right there? Why do you want to look back and, and try and figure out all the things about the sap and what it represents when you know it represents Jesus and you can have a relationship with Jesus? Why would you put your, yourself under the yoke of the old Sabbath of do's and don'ts and not being able to do this and this is what you're supposed to do? Why would you do that when it all points to the person in which you can now have an experience freedom in? Why? Paul is afraid for him that you're going back to the weaker things, you know? Why, why would you do that? There's a reason why Jesus himself said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. In who? In himself. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says you will find rest in me and me only. I rest in a person now, and the person is Jesus. I will have Seventh-day Adventists. I will have other people that would challenge me on this and says, you need to show me where the Sabbath day has changed. To which I always say, well, here's the deal. Seventh day might not have changed. I have changed. See, I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And because of that, my Sabbath is no longer a day. It is now a person. And so now I can take that day of rest, which I still think is a good idea. It's a great idea for us to still rest from our daily labors. That's one of the reasons why God gave us the Sabbath. Six days you work, seventh day you rest. I think that's still a very, very good idea, and I still think that that's biblical, that that's what we're supposed to do. And so because of that, they will then say, okay, then what, then what day is the Sabbath now? I said, any day that I want it to be, any day that that will be a benefit to my family. 
So long as I take a day of rest and we reflect on the goodness of God that we can come together in corporate worship, it's one of the reasons why we don't just have services on Sunday. Now, in my own personal history, when it came time to adding another service to the church, I have never once done it out of need. When I was at Horizon Christian Fellowship, when we went from one service to two, it wasn't out of need. It was out of my desire to be able to give those who are working during that first service another service time where they can get filled and ministered to. We'd have 10, 12 people at that first service. And people would be going, man, why do you do that? There's plenty of room in the second service. I know. But it's ministering to those 12 people. When it came to doing Saturday night, there wasn't a need per se. We weren't busting at the seams in the first two services and we got to offer another service. It was like, Let's give people a choice. And I felt like the God was impressing upon me to do a Saturday night because I love Saturday night. It's my favorite service. I love Saturday night. I like coming together and, and doing so. There's just a different vibe about Saturday night. And I just love Saturday night service. And so I did not require uh, anybody else on staff, raised up some people that would uh, come alongside as we did this. And again, Saturday night was like 10, 25 people when we first started out. After a year, it was maybe 30. And people would come to me and see it. I don't think God's blessing. I go, he's blessing those 30 people has nothing to do with numbers. It has nothing to do with, wow, look at that. And, and there's something to be said when a lot of people are coming. I understand that. There's, I think God's in that as well. But, but we give that as, as a choice. There's some people that can't. They work retail. They, they, they work in the medical industry. They, they work as a, a fireman or, or a police officer, and their shift is they have to work on Sunday. And so we give them a Saturday night to be there. We have a midweek service as well because maybe they have to work the whole, they're the low man on the totem pole. They have to work every weekend. It's just the way it is. Then come on Wednesday night. We want to be able to offer you a time when you can get together and worship. And that's going to be your Sabbath. Well, how come the church, this tradition started on Sunday? That's a great question. And the reason why this started is because that's when the resurrection was. In Mark chapter 16, verse 9, when he rose early on the first day of the week. You always have first, third, fifth day of the week. In reference to what? The Sabbath. And so first day from what? The Sabbath would be Sunday. That's when he rose from the dead. When he ministered, when Jesus ministered to two disciples on the road to Emmaus, now behold, two of them were traveling that same day in reference to the first day of the week. So he appeared before the disciples there also on the Sabbath day. We also know that in John chapter 20, it says that the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, so that's also Sunday, Jesus appears to his disciples. When the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled. The fear of the Jews, Jesus came, stood in the midst, said, A peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was given to them on Sunday. We also know that the day of Pentecost was the day after that Sabbath, and that would be a Sunday. So that's when the church was first birthed off on the day of Pentecost, when 3,000 souls came to the Lord. So the beginning of the church happened on Sunday. As well as we see in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, this was a day that they just regularly got together. Acts 20, verse 7, now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. So I don't want to hear any complaints about how long I go. First day of the week, Sunday. So do we have to meet the first day of the week? No. It's just when they started doing it. It became their tradition. They wanted to be able to show that it was different from, from, the, from the, the Jewish religion. That there's a new covenant now. And so this is when they began to meet. And because we now celebrate in a person. We have our Sabbath on any day we want to, but we rest in a person. That's why you can come Sunday or Saturday night or Wednesday and, you know, you can, you can meet Tuesday at 3 a.m. If you can get enough people to really fall in tow with that, you know. God bless you if you do that. I just... But I want you to also understand 
this. It's interesting to me that nowhere in the New Testament does it ever mention the Sabbath and breaking the Sabbath. I want you to write these verses down. If you're a note taker, you might want to write this down. Mark chapter 7, verses 21 through 22. Romans chapter 1, verses 29 through 31. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. This all speaks of those who will not enter the kingdom of God. It all speaks of the the Ten Commandments. If this is a lifestyle of yours and you're a breaker of the Ten Commandments, that you're not going to inherit the the kingdom of God. Or it will mention that these are the things that, that are evil. But never once do you see breaking the Sabbath. Never once do you see that. As a matter of fact, let's go to uh, Mark chapter 7, verses 21 and 22. Verse 21, it says, From within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries. Well, doesn't the commandment say, Thou shalt not commit adultery? Fornication, murders, thou shalt not murder. Thefts, do not steal. Covetousness, you know, do not covet your neighbor's goods. Wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Every one of the references I gave you gives a list of things. It'll say idolatry, so you're only to worship God and Him only. Uh, you're to have no other gods before Him. You're not to have any images. You do not take the Lord's name in vain. And by the way, what that means is that you don't say the phrase or the expression, OMG. If you're doing that, you're taking the Lord's name in vain. If you want to know what it is to take the Lord's name in vain or how to avoid that, this is how you know it's okay to use God's name. When you're praying directly to him, or if you're talking about him to someone else, that he is the subject matter. But he is never to be an expression. Let's use his name in vain. You didn't need to use it. Then don't use it. His name is very precious. And it should only be used in the way of respect. And so you're not to use that phrase. You're not to use that expression. And so if you have a habit of doing that, you need to ask God to break you of that habit. Ask your spouse to remind you of it. Ask friends to remind you. You know, you said it again. Ah, you know, don't do it. You're using his name in vain. You know, we're told here to remember the Sabbath day. That's the fourth commandment at that point. Honor your father and mother, the Bible says. But when you go through these things in the New Testament, you find out that in the New Testament, to worship God and God only, yeah, that's mentioned 53 times in the New Testament. When it says... No to idolatry, having other graven images or, or gods before him. The Bible says no to that 20 different times in the New Testament it's brought up. When it comes to using the Lord's name in vain, it's spoken of twice in the New Testament. When it comes to the Sabbath day, never mentioned. Zero. When it comes to honor your father and mother, eight times or six times it's mentioned. When it says thou shalt not murder, seven times that's mentioned in the New Testament. Adultery, 12 times. Stealing, six times. Fault witness, four times. Don't covet, nine times. But no mention of breaking the Sabbath day. Nothing. And the reason is because it has been fulfilled now in a person and we now rest in a person. Now I have, um, I've had someone before that just says, I, I, I got to come Sunday morning. I know you have Saturday night. I know that you can, you know, have church anytime, but there's just something I just sense like I'm supposed to be there Saturday morning and I want my family there on Saturday, or I'm sorry, Sunday morning. And it's kind of like, okay. In Romans 14, 5, it says, One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Okay. You need to be there Sunday morning. I was raised coming in Sunday morning and this and that. And I, I've even tried going to Saturday night. I, I just somehow feel guilty for not being there Sunday morning. And so we rest in a person. We will worship Well, that concludes today's edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. 
Tune in next Sunday as we continue our study in the Gospel of Luke. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at the 5 p.m. service on Saturday. On Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our young adults ministry, Arise, meets every Friday at 6.30 p.m. at the church. Child care is offered for all of our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station, right across from Starbucks. For more information about us on this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. Thanks again for joining us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. Amen.